Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. There's so many things that the Lord is doing in our day. There are many that are confused. It seems as though no one has the answer. No flesh and blood knows how to solve the problems that are being faced by people, not only in America, but all over the world. It is hard to find uh, leadership that we can look to and say it's obvious that uh, this person is walking with God. And one of the questions that we ask individually more than any other question is what I want to talk to you today about and is found in Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, so you can be thinking as I read the verse to you Probably the most asked question that Christians have is, what is God's will for my life? Maybe you might ask it like this, how do I know God's will for my life? Is that something that has no concrete answer? And I hope to show you this morning from the scripture, it has a clear answer to every person. You can know God's will. You do not have to just move about in darkness or in a fog and not know what God's plans are for your life. You do not need to turn to the right or to the left if you will find clearly the answer to that question today. And it's not only a question for the people of Houston, but it's a question for you wherever you might be. How do I know God's will for my life? What is it? So I want you to listen very carefully. When I was very, very young, I was asked in some gathering of young people to uh, pick a life verse, to look in Scripture and try to find a, a verse that you would just carry all of your life. My dad's verse was Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The verse that I picked is the one that I want to share with you today, and it has been the strongest verse of Scripture in my personal life from the time that someone showed it to me. It is in Proverbs chapter 3. Before I ask you to stand out of respect to the reading of the Word, it gives me a chance to put in a commercial for the reading of God's Word. If you want to know that you're in God's will and want to know what to do, Today, tomorrow, the next day, read a proverb every day. There's 31 proverbs. And uh, whatever day it is, read the proverb of that day uh, and see if God does not answer the question we're talking about today every day of your life. Read a proverb a day. And when you come to 30 days in a month, Read 30 and 31 and go back to 1 so you know right where you are, okay? Now then, from the third chapter of Proverbs, would you please stand and let me read to you two verses. We stand, guests, in respect for the Word of God. Uh, that's very important. The, when the Old Testament prophet opened uh, the book, the people stood out of respect 
And we're not trying to copy the prophet, but we too have a great respect for the word of God at our church. And so we read it with reverence and with anticipation that God is going to speak through the word. Are you ready? Uh, I'll read out loud from the King James translation. Listen. You can look to the screen if you're here in the auditorium. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Could I read it one more time? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you be seated, please? When I was young and even before I was married and after the Lord called me to preach the gospel, I got to go to a lot of youth camps and preach to young people that were my age or a little bit younger. And oftentimes we would have these group discussions when we just sit down and talk and we'd have a Q&A, a little question and answer. And, and if three questions were asked, one of the three questions would be this question, how can you know God's will for your life? That was a big thing in my generation. How do you know God's will for your life? That question is still asked by sincere people today that believe there is a God and that they are followers of that God or that they're children of that God and they want to know what is God's will for my life? How can I find it out? So we're going to talk about that for a few moments. We make a lot of decisions every day. You've made a whole lot this morning. Some of them are important, some of them are not. You made a decision whether you were going to get up this morning, then are you going to come to church? What outfit am I going to wear? What do I eat? When do I eat? How much am I going to eat? When your day off comes, what am I going to do today? I've got time on my hands. What am I going to do? Uh, Maybe your question this week is how to... How do I handle the meltdown of my two-year-old? Or it may be how do I handle the meltdown of my teenager? Or more important, it may be how do I handle my own meltdown? But these are questions we ask. We go off and we say, you know, should I date? If so, who should I date? And if I date and find a date, then where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Where do I go to college? If I'm going to college, where am I going to go to college? And then if I go to college, what am I going to major in? And then if I go to college and I major in something, what am I going to do? You know what I'm talking about. Now, those are are decisions that have some importance to them, but they don't have near the importance of what we're going to talk about today. God has a plan for every life, and God's got one plan that everything else spins off of. And if you don't understand God's will for every life, all of these other things will hold many wrong answers. But if you will understand that there is a a clear word from God as to what his will is for your life, and he makes it very clear in his word. Now, because a lot of people do not believe the Bible or they don't trust it totally, we come up being a creative uh, creature of God with all kinds of, of methodology to finding 
the will of God. One of the first ones is what I call the random finger method. You know, that's when you, you know, I got a little spirit, I got a Bible somewhere, and so I'm going to hold my Bible out here and I'm going to shut my eyes and I'm going to just kind of spin it around like this or maybe just open my Bible like this and then put my finger down and that's going to be the scripture. God is going to speak to me. I heard about a high school student that was looking for a date and uh, wasn't having very much luck, so he used that method. And when he came down, he came down on Romans 8.25, which reads as follows. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? So he looked at that and he said, now if I'm not finding it, evidently it's not God's timing, so I'm going to look for it. Now that's the way that scripture was interpreted for the person trying to find the will of God with that random finger method. I heard about another problem. Oh, by the way, that scripture is referring to a suffering people who were waiting for the coming of the Lord. It had absolutely nothing to do with a high school student finding a date, okay? But then there was another person that was a little bit more determined, and I've told you about this one before, but he liked the random finger method, and so he would just open his Bible and close his eyes, you know, and come down, and he came down on the Scripture, and Judas went out and hung himself. And he thought, oh, I hope that's not God's will for my life. That must be wrong. And so he, he did it again. He came down on the Scripture. It says, go thou and do likewise. <laughs> so being still confused, he went again. He said, there's some way I'm not getting it. And so he opened the Bible again and came down, and it was... Whatsoever thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> well, he could have gone all day trying to find God's word with a random finger method. There's another one that I'm going to just call it the astonishing miracle method. That's the burning bush deal, you know. I just heard God speak out of a burning bush. Now, that hadn't been working too recently. I have not had a lot of people. I've had some people tell me some weird things that God told them, but never have I had one come and say, hey, I was walking down you know where that brushy area is over there? You won't believe this, but there was a bush burning and it spoke to me and you'll never guess what it said. I haven't had that happen, so I don't really think I have to worry about that one. But then, of course, there is that striking coincidence method. Now, that's a real, that's really uh, effective, I'm sure, uh, that all of us have been tempted. You know, that, that coincidence. Well, it wasn't a coincidence. It just had to be God's will for my life. I heard about a person that, was trying to decide going off to college whether they'd major in math or English. And they were really worried about that. And so they went to bed that night and had one of those digital alarm clocks. And they woke up in the middle of the night and the clock said 2.22. And uh, so they shut their eyes and they went back to sleep. An hour later, they opened up their eyes and it was 3.33 in the morning. So they closed their eyes the third time, and the second time, the third time they opened their eyes, and it was, you got it, 444. So immediately, with great rejoicing, they had found God's will for their life, math. Take math. Very obvious. Just a little bit of spirituality, and you can get that out of the Scripture. Of course, the truth of the matter is that what God might have been telling them was to get up, go to the kitchen, get you a a teaspoonful of NyQuil and go back to sleep and get you some rest. That could have been what they was trying to do. But that's a method. And then of course there's that put out the fleece. You remember the Gideon approach? I'm just going to put out the fleece. Of course
course, people don't even know how Gideon put out the fleece. He didn't put out the fleece, and then uh, he made the decision, then he put out the fleece. We, we don't make decisions, we put out the fleece. And um, then there's that open door method. You know, well, God just opened the door for me to marry her because she quit going with the other guy, you know, or vice versa. You know, I mean, then you have the closed door method. Well, if God would have wanted me to make this, have this job, he wouldn't have given it to somebody. That's called the closed door method, all right? And then, of course, there's the God thing. Now, the God thing, that's a real spiritual one. Uh, it's just a God thing. You know, what? well, it's just a God thing. Well, uh, in other words, they would look at the resurrection and the tomb, the open tomb, and say, that's a God thing. Could I just tell you, yeah, that's a God thing, but so is the cross. So is the crown of thorns. So was the cat of nine tails. It was all a God thing, okay? So don't think all God things means good or right or do that, but get back to say, you know what? These are not working very good. I wonder if somebody would show me something that would work. I believe that I would do it. Well, you see, we've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about going to the uttermost parts of the world and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ or a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Bible says old things pass away and all things become new. So all of these strategies that the world uses, and by the way, the world uses those things that I just mentioned, and it changes to something totally different. And all of a sudden, it's not my will, but thine be done, and the Lord says, if you will follow my will, I will tell you my will. But if God knows you will not follow his will, he never tells you his will in an intimate, personal way. But he has put his will in the written word of God. God has a clear, clear teaching as to how you know the will of God. First of all, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but the life I now live in the flesh, I'm going to live by the power of the Son of God. Let's go back to the baptistry again. But the baptism for the average Christian is a Christian or a church ordinance that you need to do uh, in order to become a member of that church. Now, there are methods of of and the ordinances, one is a pouring. Another one is a sprinkling. And then the other is immersion. Now, you saw two people immersed a while ago. Now, let me take you to the scripture, and I want you to see God's will for your life. First of all, the Bible says, repent and then be baptized, every one of you, because your sins have been remitted. Okay? Every one of you to be baptized. Now, before I read Romans 6, let me tell you what the word means. The word, the word baptize is from the Greek word baptizo. Every biblical scholar in the world, I don't care what denomination they are, will tell you the word baptize means to immerse. That's what it means. It has never had any other definition. 
All other, other methodologies have been man's way of substituting, say, baptism's really not that important, just get her done, you know. Get them sprinkled, get them poured, whatever. But it's a lot more convenient and so forth and so on. Constantine marched his troops off to battle, going under trees with water being sprinkled on them as they went out to battle. But now let me tell you what you just saw and what the scripture says in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Notice how it starts. Don't you know or know you not? that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That newness of life has within it a plan. That new life has a will from the Father. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. We have pictured it. Do you know, folks, as you watch those two baptisms, that there are people today that will be baptized by immersion somewhere in the world, and they will be executed for having done that before sundown tonight. And they knew it when they stepped into that baptistry. That is a commitment of some Christians in this world today. I am crucified with Christ. If I die, I die unto the Lord. If I live, I live unto the Lord. But I'm going to obey my Lord. Now, while they're doing that, we got people over here worried about getting their hair wet. Thinking it's not really that important. I'll just choose whether I want to be baptized. And if I do get baptized, I'll find out a good time when I can get it done quickly as possible. Witness by as few as possible. Because I have no desire to do the will of God in my life. Because you know what the will of God is? First of all, you've got to identify yourself with God. And baptism was given to the church, the bride of Christ. Here's what you say when you say, I don't want to be baptized. <clears throat> You're saying to the Lord, I like you, I love you, but I can't stand your wife. I can't stand your bride. Now listen to me. Man, if somebody came to you and said that, what would you say? I'm sorry, but I'm not going. If you can't accept my wife, she's part of me, and I'm not going to have anything to do with you. See, the bride of Christ is a church. Very clearly taught. We don't have time to teach that, but trust me, come see me. I will show you. It is the bride of Christ. And baptism is given to the church so you can identify not only with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but with the bride of Christ, the church. Not the local church, but the body of Christ, the church, around the world. Baptism is where you make that public declaration of new birth. In America, many people that claim to be Christians will do everything possible to avoid being baptized. John Mark calls all of our people that are going to be baptized. I, I get, he reports to me every Monday and Tuesday and many times during the week. Many people have been scheduled 10 times to be baptized and never show up. Why? Doesn't sound like they're very anxious, does it? No, they're just a little bit worried, you know. 
What am I going to do? See, they're missing the will of God. How do you know the will of God? The way you know the will of God is you submit to the will of God. And the Bible says, first of all, God is not willing that any should perish, but all that should come to repentance. We talked about that that week, last week. Now we're saying, okay, God wants us to be baptized. Let every one of you, he says, be baptized that have become new believers. We don't have to search for God's will. We just have to yield to God's will. You don't have to go out there somewhere and try to find it. Many Christians seem to look for a box to check. Let's see, now, what do you go here? Okay, well, you have to do this, and then you've got to believe this and this, and you can't do this, can't do that. Well, let's see, what's the other option? Well, we got this church over here, and it does this, 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 and, well, I think I'm going to become one of these. So you check that box. What you want to look for is what's God's will for your life, not what the church requires. If this church requires something that's not in the scripture and it's not God's will for your life, you have every reason to walk away. But if it is God's will, then you dare not walk away. You want that blessing. How do you know the will of God? Let me, let me share a quote with you if you forget everything I've said today. I want you to remember this, not my quote. It's from Oswald Chambers who wrote My Utmost for His Highest. Oswald Chambers uh, has spoken into the lives of many, many Christians through many, many years. Now listen to these words. Think with me. Only, the only time a man walking on a path asks, where is the path, is when he's not walking on the path. You hear that? The only time a man walking on a path asks, where is the path, it's when he's not walking on the path. Here's the point. If you are walking on the path, you don't ask where is the path. You just keep walking. And which direction do you walk? You walk on the one that's walking on the path with you. And he's walking just ahead of you. And he says from Genesis to Revelation, here is my will for your life. And you take it from there. You know, if God told you or me. The destination of our lives, most of us would want to argue about how we get there. If God told you, here's where I'm leading, you say, well, Lord, it'd be best if you did this. Lord, it'd be less if you did that. I think I could do it better if it was in Hawaii, Lord. I really do. I prayed about this, and I've, I just really think that that's where the Lord, you know, that you should lead me. Let me ask you a question. The point is, God doesn't tell you where he's taking you because you'd have an opinion how to get there. Have you ever been with a bunch of people in a car and where everybody knew where you were going and only one had the steering wheel, but everybody else knew the new and improved and improvised way to get there? Have you ever been there? Well, you're looking at a preacher that's been there just one week ago today. And I was in a car with eight people, all of whom know Houston like the back of their hand. And we started out to Second Baptist Church last week uh, to get there early. And uh, only one was driving. Well, the, the other seven us, of us were very gracious to tell him which lane to get in, where to turn, and what's the most in the proof. And then there were others that were very, very smart. They knew things that other people didn't know, like the barbecue is going on at the rodeo, and so you don't want to go down Highway 610 to get over to Woodway Street. And so we ended up going down the beltway, we got to 288, and we just kept going down the beltway. 
It, we finally talked the driver in, that's the way to go. Well, about three miles down the Beltway, we knew this thing's going to come out somewhere way out on Highway 59, so what we better do is turn and go back to Bass Pro Shop and start down 288. Well, that's kind of the way this whole deal went. Now, we got over there, and the thing was over with, and I didn't feel so bad, folks, because when our young people got there and two busloads of them, they got there just as we were starting. We'd gotten there just a few minutes early, so we beat them. I don't know what was going on in that bus, those buses. But we had to come back. Now, now, granted, we got all messed up going, but we still had to help the driver get back. We ended up going over Highway 10, almost to the Houston Ship Channel. It was the most unbelievable mess you've ever seen in your life. Well, what was the problem? The problem was you had eight people that thought they knew more about where to get somewhere than anybody else, and so everybody got confused, okay? Now, that's the way it is about God's will for your life. Don't ask me what God's will is for your life. Don't ask anybody what God's will for your life is. Get out on your knees and say, Speak, Lord, thy servant hears, and block out everything else. Then see what happens. All of a sudden, you wake up and say, Wow, I hadn't seen her. I hadn't seen him. Well, I didn't know about that job. Well, I didn't know about that situation. Well, what's going on? God is taking you one step at a time. Our responsibility is not to ask, what is God's will for my life? But my responsibility is to walk moment by moment, step by step in the will of God. Folks, it isn't that hard if you do it that way. Nobody knows what another day is going to bring, so you sure can't get farther than 24 hours ahead. But if you just walk one day at a time, many people have asked me this week, at least five people have asked me in situations I've been in about, Pastor, did Sagemont ever think when there were 16 of you that you would see what you would see today with over 18,000 members? My answer always, and they said, were, were you expecting building a, a big church? I said, no, first of all, we knew we weren't supposed to build church. God builds churches. That's not what we're for. And I did have enough common sense to know with 5.46 acres of ground, of which two-thirds of it, or would be, or one-third of it would be covered by buildings, would probably not get to too large. But one step at a time for 48 years, God led, has led this church, and he's led it in recent days and continues to lead it one step at a time. Our job is to be today where God wants us to be, and it's your responsibility to be today where God wants you to be. And one thing we know, God wants you to be saved, number one. Number two, God wants you to know that he has a purpose for your life. And he tells you that I will provide the need, I'll provide the way, just follow me. I'll supply the money, I'll supply the whatever. But I want you, whatever you do in word or deed, do it to glorify me. Is it not foolish that God, for us to ever think that God hides his will and we got to spend 20 years trying to find it? Well, I finally found God's will for my life. Well, God's will is very, very clear. God's will, are you ready for this? I hope you can handle this. It's not that profound. Listen, God's will for your life and for mine is to be redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus for the purpose of going out to every person of every tribe, every nation, every language, every people group, and by his grace and for his glory, bring them to Jesus. That's it. 
God is not impressed where you're the first to do anything. He doesn't care what records you set in any other field. His deal is, will you go and make disciples, as we've talked about now for three weeks? Will you, in the plant, in the refinery, at the hunting camp, in the fishing boat, at the shopping mall, in the restaurant, will you go and understand that whoever told you I never talk about my faith that God never told you that. God told you, tell the world. Show the world. You say, but I'm not to preach. You remember, I think it was Schaefer that said it, but if it not, he should have, because whoever said it was sure smart. They said, if you go preach, and if necessary, use words. Hear me, men. You guys are going to go out and be around hundreds of men this week. You don't have to preach to them. If God hadn't called you to preach, don't preach, but be living proof of a loving God to a watching bunch of men. And let those men see Jesus in you, that you can ride a Harley, that you can, that you can stand up against the enemy, that you can love your family, defend your family, and on and on. But be a man, but be a man of God. So that men can see you as being living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Now that's God's proof for your life. And if you're not doing that today, you're out of the will of God. Even if you're saved somewhere, you've fallen off the wagon of salvation. God saved you to go to the uttermost parts of the world. Very quickly, Adam and Eve. What did God tell Adam and Eve? I'm going to show you this. I'm going to try to prove my point and I'm through real quick. Adam and Eve. Remember Genesis 1. What did he tell them to do? Replenish, multiply, replenish the earth. You know, multiply, replenish the earth. He started talking about world outreach, Adam and Eve. Well, you know what they did. Then Abraham comes along. What did Abraham do? He went to a land he knew not, the patriarch Abraham. Then David comes along, Psalm 67. Listen to this, verses 1 and 2. God, be merciful to us and bless us. Cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all the nations. You see, David picked it up. And then Isaiah the prophet comes along on this quick trip through the Bible. Isaiah 66, 18. For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all the nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them. I will send those that escape of them unto the nations to Tarshish and Pool and Lude that draw the bow to Tubal and Javan and to the isles and islands that are far off that have not heard of me. Neither have seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Habakkuk, the prophet, in the second chapter, verse 14, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In the New Testament, as we get there, Matthew 28, we've already talked about this. Luke 24, Acts chapter 1, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Get over to the book of Romans. Paul said the gospel is not only for you Jews, it's for the Gentiles as well. And he moved it out into a new mission field. 2 Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to earth, usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then the final one in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Paul is on the Isle of Patmos. What's God's will for all of these guys? And what's God's will for you? What's God's will for me? To tell the nations. Start at Jerusalem. Jerusalem is Houston for us. And then go to the uttermost part of the world as we're doing on the internet right now. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this, I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number, 
of all the nations and the kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. That's God's will for your life, is to be a part of that in the place where you live. You may not have but one person that God wants to see come to him, but you're the one that has to go where that one is. Our government has already said that our defense budget is going to be cut. Soldiers are going to be brought home. I'm not going to get into politics of all that, but let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, you are a Christian soldier. And if the military comes back, the gospel soldiers ought to infiltrate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And take the word of God that's sharper than a two-edged sword and tell the world that is dying in sin, just like America is, that Jesus loves you. And I've come to tell you so. Not put down other religions. We don't have to do that. If we walk with God, he will handle it. He is our power. He will do that part of it. I'm not talking about economy. I'm not talking about God bless America. I'm talking about the purpose of every believer is to carry the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth and leave the rest of it to God. Do what you can, but carry the gospel. If America is not going to carry the gospel to the world, what purpose is there for us being here under God? That's what you have to ask. But you can't say, well, what about that bunch? What about that bunch? What about that bunch? You know what the great heroes of the Bible were? Lord, speak to me. Thy servant, I'm listening. I am willing to go wherever you lead. I will go. That's what we as a church and as, as individuals are to do. God's will for people is, is to be redeemed by hearing, receiving, repenting, embracing, and responding to God's invitation by God's grace. Jesus said to his disciples these words, follow me. He informed them that people were lost and were going to die in their sin. And that's all the way back to the prophets. And then he explained to them that he had a purpose. And his purpose for redeeming them was so they could go and redeem others. That's God's will. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We've got to leave this meeting area, and we've got to go. What is God's will for you? What is God's will for me? It's the same thing. We need to ask God what his will is. And not, not what it is, but how are we going to get in on it? And we're going to be giving you a lot of chances to do that. He not only has clearly revealed his will, but he promised if you'll get in my will, I'll lead you down the path. You won't get off. Just follow me. And everything we do must be done to his glory. Our Heavenly Father, as we sing now, would you speak to our heart as only you can. May you be clear when you speak. May people hear you clearly. And may they say, yes, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Join us Sundays at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.